My name is Adam Truax. I um, usually am leading worship with that group, and so it is, it's a joy when I get to sit in the back and worship alongside of you guys and, and, and see the effort that goes in. Because when you're up front and you've got the little headphones in and everything else, it's a different experience than worshiping out here. Um, and so it's a joy to worship with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited about the passage we have today, and, and we're digging back into the book of John. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to John chapter 10, and we'll get to that here in a second. But I want to say a couple things first before we get started this morning. About a month ago, we had a service, an ordination service that I participated in. There was four of us, and, and you guys said, hey, we want to ordain you guys, set you guys apart to be in ministry. Like that's what God has set apart for you. And so for me and my part, I haven't had a chance to talk to you guys since then in like a position here. And I just want to say thank you because it's been a long road for me in that process of hearing God's voice, figuring out what God has for me, being okay with that, and then trusting him. And then to have my church family, my family say, yes, we see that and we affirm that is humbling and brings me a lot of joy. And so I just want to say to you guys, thank you um, on behalf of me and my family and ask you to do one thing, continue to pray for us because it's a crazy world when you've got two people doing ministry stuff all the time in your house um, and Satan has his way. Uh, so I just want to thank you guys for your prayers and thank you guys for your affirmation in that ordination time. Um, we're in the John series again. We finished up our series on Grow right before Easter, and then Easter happened, and that is a great and amazing time. And now we're going back into the book of John, and we have to kind of backtrack and go back in time a little bit because we just celebrated Jesus' death and resurrection, and everything's great, but now we're going back. Jesus is still alive, and he's living life with his disciples now in John chapter 10. So we kind of got to shift our minds there. But the series is called excuse me, the person of Christ. And the idea being that we need to have a clearer picture of who Jesus is. And the way we're going about that is in the book of John because Jesus, in his own words, tells us who he is in this book. And we're gonna see that in this passage today. But the goal is, is as we're reading the book of John and we started last September and we're only in chapter 10, so it's gonna be a while. We're chunking through this thing. It's, it's a long road. But we get to hear clearly from Jesus who he is. And the hope is that every week when we hear something out of the book of John, we have another pixel in this picture of who Jesus is that's plugged in. And the picture starts to become clearer in our hearts and in our minds, and we can walk ever so closer with him afterwards. So that's where we're going in the book of John, and that's where we're at today. Jesus has been living and doing ministry with his disciples now. He's been stirring the pot a little bit. He's been doing things that are making the officials of the day, the Pharisees, the Jewish leadership of the time, kind of go, we don't like Jesus all that much, even to the point where they're trying to kill him, trying to find a way where they can kill him. And in John chapter 10, Jesus is coming right off of, in chapter 9, healing a blind man who's been blind from birth and having a conversation with the Pharisees. And then that's where we pick up in John chapter 10. And that's where, we're, that's where we're starting this morning. So I want to back up just a little bit to John chapter 9, verse 39. And we're just going to read those few verses and then go right into John chapter 10. So Jesus is speaking to the blind man, and he says this, For judgment I came into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. 
Then some of the Pharisees who were near him heard these things. So now he's speaking to Pharisees. The Pharisees say, are we also blind? And Jesus says to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, we see, your guilt remains. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes before them, and before them, and the sheep will follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying. Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees, and the last verse kind of clues us into where the Pharisees' mindset is. Jesus is speaking to them, and they don't get it. They're not cluing into what Jesus is saying. He uses this figure of speech, and they don't understand what he's saying to them. So let's try and figure out what Jesus is saying, and then we'll move on in the passage, and Jesus clarifies it a little bit in the midst of this, okay? Jesus is calling or gathering his sheep. Truly, truly, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in another way, that man is a thief and the robber. But he who enters through the door is the shepherd of the sheep. Jesus doesn't attribute that to himself yet, but he does in later verses. So we can go back up and say, Jesus is talking about himself in this moment. And he says, I come through the door and I'm the shepherd of the sheep. I don't come in a different way. I don't try and climb a fence. I don't try and like lasso a sheep and pull it over. I come in through the door the right way to get into the sheepfold. If we look at this this idea of a sheepfold back then and even today in the Middle East, most of the time the sheep would be out in the pasture. But at times when they came in, multiple flocks of sheep owned by different shepherds would come into one large sheepfold or pen. And so there'd be all these different sheep in there. And the only way in and out was the door or the gate. You couldn't get in or out another way. If you were going in or out another way, you're not there for a good reason. You're a thief or a robber. Right? And Jesus is saying, I go in through the door, and I am the shepherd. The gatekeeper opens the door, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Imagine this, because this is the case still today. The shepherd walks into the sheepfold, and he calls his sheep by name. Let's go. You. You. You guys, that's a pun. Y'all should catch that. Any crossword puzzle doers? You should know that clue. Um, Come on, let's go. Let's walk out. And then the shepherd leads out. He doesn't, and in Western culture, in our culture today, if we were trying to herd something, we would get some sheepdogs or maybe some horses or something, and we would try and push the sheep forward to get them where they need to go. But the shepherds in the Middle East, they don't do that. They just walk ahead. And because the sheep know their voice, and the shepherd knows them by name, they trust him, and they follow him. It's a line of sheep heading out to pasture. And Jesus is letting the Pharisees know that he is the shepherd and that they are thieves and robbers. But the Pharisees aren't cluing in to Jesus' little jab at them a little bit. He goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know their voice. A stranger they will not follow, 
but they will flee from him, for they don't know the voice of strangers. The sheep know the voice of the shepherd. So Jesus is calling his sheep to follow him by name, by name. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and what he did for you and you trust in him, he's called you by name and you followed him. And that's spectacular. That's something worth celebrating. That's something worth getting excited about. It gets even better as we move through this. But Jesus lets us know, I call you by name. And you can follow me because you can trust me. You can trust what I'm saying. My daughter is four. And I noticed about a year ago that if she was in a large group of other children or really engrossed in something, she wouldn't hear me if I was talking. It might be selective hearing, but she wouldn't hear me. I'd say, Nora, Nora, in her classroom at her daycare, Nora, and she'd be clueless because she'd be playing with Barbies with a bunch of other little girls, and that apparently is exciting. I don't get it. I don't get Barbies. It's not a thing for me, but she was just engrossed in it, and so she wouldn't hear my voice. And so about a year ago, I was talking with her, and I said, how about when you hear this one specific whistle, you know that it's me and that I want to see you? And it just cuts above the fray. And it's spectacular because I can be like, like if I whistle it right now, she might hear it in her classroom and it might freak her out a little bit. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Uh, that's the whistle. That's it. Pretty simple. Nothing fa- fancy about it. Just a. And if she hears that, she knows it's me. And her little body whips around and a big old smile comes on her face because she knows it's her father. And he's calling her. A specific thing that's just for her. It's not for anybody else. It's just for her. And that's what Jesus is doing for us. Very specifically, by name, personally saying, I want you to have a relationship with me. Come and follow me. And we can trust him and we can trust where he leads us. Jesus is calling his sheep And he's speaking to the Pharisees. I'm calling my sheep unto myself. Then in verse seven, Jesus says this. So Jesus again said to them, remember the Pharisees were clueless. They didn't understand what was going on. So Jesus is like, all right, I gotta explain this a little bit more to you guys. So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. Pause, that's confusing. Jesus is now a door. In the midst of this, I'm a door. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and go in and out and find pasture. I am the door. I am the way in and I'm the way out. I am the way that safety comes. I am the way, the only way to good pasture. I am the only way to that. I am the door. The physical gate to the sheep pen, I am that. Anybody who's come before me, you're just a thief and a robber. But I am the door. Jesus is giving a little pre-context to the four chapters from now where he says this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. He's letting people know that I am the only way to a right relationship with God. To a redeemed life to something that's worthwhile, I'm it. I am the door. And I'm sure the Pharisees are like going, what in the world is this guy talking about? He's a door? What does that even mean? And then Jesus 
jabs him. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And I come, I came, that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the door. I am the way in and out to good pasture. And the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And the thief in this passage is, are the Pharisees or the false teachers of the time. If you look at the Greek word for thief right there in the midst of that, it's kleptes. Kleptes, an embezzler or pilferer. The name is transferred to false teachers. False teachers who do not care to instruct men, but abuse their confidence for their own gain. You see, the Pharisees had for hundreds of years been putting things on top of the Jewish people that they had to uh, live by. These laws, these rules, these things, so that they might have a good relationship with God. All of these things that seemed a bit out of context with what God has going on. But yet the Pharisees, in the midst of that, were gaining power, were getting financial gain, were kind of being just this false teacher over people. And they had no no real, honest, good desires for their sheep. They just wanted to abuse them and take everything that they could from them so that they would have more and more power and more and more control and more and more financial gain. And Jesus says, the thief, you Pharisees, the thief comes to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Hey guys, y'all are jacked up, is what Jesus is saying to the Pharisees. You've been doing it wrong this whole time. And often we see this passage referring specifically to Satan. I don't think that's not True, but in the context of this passage, this is who Jesus is talking to. He's talking to the Pharisees. The thieves, the false teachers, come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that they might have life and have it abundantly, Jesus says. I want that rather than the former. I want life in abundant, superior, amazing life not death and destruction. So often, I think even in our time today, specifically in our time today, we can get wrapped up into something that might not be completely true and honest and, and, and it seems good, but it's not quite right. It's not quite right. And there are lots of people who are out to abuse, abuse believers So often I think there are times where we can find false teachers in front of us and it's so easy for a false teacher to get in front of us today. There's television which is on 24 hours a day and then y'all are on the internet way too much. I am too, right? And we get some things that pop up in front of us that seem true, that seem great and righteous and amazing. And so we say yes to that. We like it. We repost it. We uh, put a little heart next to it. Whatever it is, whatever uh, platform you're on, it exists in all of them. And then that person or that group or that entity, whoever is running that page, starts to post things that are even more in line with your beliefs. You're like, yeah, man, I'm on board with what this guy's saying. He's saying some cool stuff all about how awesome God is, and that is great. And then one day, that person posts something that is not quite right. 
that's just a little bit out of line with what Scripture says. But because we've said yes, as humans, we've said yes to all these other things that this person has posted, that it aligns up with me, the thing that's not quite right, all of a sudden, I agree with. And then all of a sudden, I'm out of whack. And it doesn't take much for us to deviate from truth. From truth that is actual truth to truth that, is, that feels real, but it's not. And so often that happens. There's a guy, um, his name's Destin Stanlin. Stanlin. He is a rocket scientist um, and a, uh, a guy who asks very smart questions. And he had a, uh, conversations with multiple social media outlets over this past, past month, asking them about how they see this happening in their world. And going everything from the political spectrum to the religious spectrum. And as I was listening to what he was saying, he said this. This feels like televangelism. And this feels like the prosperity gospel. And so for us today in this room, in this room, I want you to hear me. The only truth you're going to find is right here in Scripture. It's not in a little meme that's framed well, that has you know, curly text, that's attributed to somebody who you think is great. It's not in that. It's not in a little fancy fonted quote that's not even from Scripture, but it sounds like it's from Scripture. It's not in that. It's in Scripture. So when we're on the internet, when we're living life, when we're watching television, when we're moving through this world that we live in that's so broken and so messed up, the only way we can know truth is to dig into the word. And so if, so if through your life, all you're doing is I'm just, I'm getting my Christianity by looking at what other people are doing and I'm not going and finding it myself, you're gonna be found that you're gonna find out that you're not quite right and lined up with scripture. Because people are messed up. People are messed up. And false teachers are out to steal, kill, and destroy. So my word of warning is trust this, not your screen. If you see something on your screen that you're like, hang on a second, I don't even know if that's true, go find it. Go see if it is. And if it isn't, unfriend, unlike, whatever you gotta do, unsubscribe from Facebook altogether, it's the greatest thing I ever did. Sorry if I missed any of your invitations to anything, um, but I deleted it a long time ago. Um, don't trust what you find on screens. Trust what you find in scripture. It's the only way to know what's real. It's the only way to know what's real. So in the first section, Jesus calls or gathers his sheep to himself. And in the second section, Jesus is protecting his flock by letting the Pharisees know, hey, I know y'all are jokers. You don't have anything good for your sheep, but I do. I come that they might have life and that they might have it abundantly. That doesn't mean that all of a sudden wealth and great fortune are gonna fall upon you. That doesn't mean that as you say yes to Jesus and you stop listening to false teachers and start trusting the one true God, that all of a sudden your life's gonna be right, your health and wellness is gonna be spectacular. No, what he's saying is that I come that they might have life eternal. 
Right relationship with the Father, the Father who loves them. Right relationship with the creator of the universe. And they might have abundant life with him here on earth and in heaven. And in the midst of sorrow and pain and suffering, joy can be found because my hope is in Jesus and not in anything else. It can be found in him and not anything else. Because those false teachers will jack you up. But Jesus comes for life, not for death. The exact opposite of death. Jesus protects and guards his sheep. He desires life for all. And then just in case they didn't understand that metaphor, he goes into another metaphor. Verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay my life for the sh- down for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay my life down that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from the Father. Jesus doubles down. He says, I am the door, but then he says, I am also the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. So not only am I the gate or the door, the only way to right relationship with God, not only am I that, but I'm also the good shepherd, the one that makes the way by giving up his life for his sheep. And he's talking to the Pharisees. Are you all willing to give up anything for these people? I'm sure these guys are shaking in their sandals. Are you willing to give up anything? Because a hired hand and not a shepherd who doesn't own the sheep, who doesn't care for the sheep, when tough times come, when the wolf comes, they run and they bolt the other way and they got nothing for you. But Jesus lays down his life so that his sheep might have life. He lays down his life so that his sheep might have life and have it abundantly. I am the door and I am the good shepherd. What are you, Pharisees, Jesus says. What are you? And then he explains kind of a bigger picture thing to the Jewish people of the time. He's speaking to a room full of Jews, to a group full of Jews, and he says in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, and I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, so there will be one flock and one shepherd. The Jews and the Gentiles, the Jews, anybody who wasn't Jewish to the Jews were Gentiles, and Jesus says, I not only come for you, Jews, but I come for the Gentiles as well. I come from the whole, for the whole world. 
If we remember back, last year when we were looking at our Exodus series, God promises Abraham a couple of things. And one of the things he promises him, he says, through your lineage, I will bless the entire world. I will bless the entire world. Not just your family, the Jewish nation, but the entire world. And Jesus says here, I have other sheep who are not just Jewish. They're not just of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. There will be one flock and one shepherd. Jesus says, I'm not only the savior of you, but I'm the savior of everybody. And I have authority to do that. I have authority to lay down my life, not just for you, but for the world. And then I can take it back up again. I have authority to do that. Jesus' love for his sheep is laid out in this passage. That he is, a, he, he, he is the way and then he makes the way by giving of himself. And so often we listen to voices in this world who aren't willing to give anything for us. And Jesus is letting us know I'm the only voice you need to listen to. I'm the only voice you need to listen to. He gives his life for sheep. His sheep are called to him in the first section. He protects them and guards them in the second section. And then he lays down his life for them. And the people in the room have to be spinning a little bit. He says he's a door, he says he's a shepherd, he gave us this one thing that I don't even understand what he was saying. He's calling out somebody, probably the Pharisees, but we don't know. He's, they're trying to make sense of what's going on. And then we get to see their response in verse 19. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and he's insane. Why should we listen to him? And others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon even open the eyes of the blind? They, they, they come to one of two conclusions. Either Jesus Christ is insane or he's God. Those are your only conclusions after hearing him. He's either insane and crazy and you better run from him or he's God. Or he's God. And today, my hope and my prayer for us in this room is that we have heard the call of the Father. And if you have, you should be jumping up and down because it is an exciting thing when you hear the call of your shepherd. It is an exciting thing. And my prayer for us today is if we're sitting here in this room and we don't and we haven't heard the voice of our shepherd yet, that we start listening close to it, for it. And praying that God might reveal himself to us. Some of us have heard the voice of Jesus and have said yes to it. But in the midst of the sheepfold, while we're sitting in the pen, we start to trust other people. Because they sound a lot like Jesus, but they're not him. We start to trust things that aren't Jesus. And my prayer for us today is if that's us, that we tune out those other people and we listen specifically for our name, our personal, intimate call from the Savior of the world, and we trust him.
and we follow him out. That we can trust him and follow him out. In a few minutes, we're going to baptize five young people this morning. And as we baptize them, we're going to see this picture of what Jesus did for us. They walk into the water. There's nothing special about it. Nothing special about that water at all. It came out of the tap, and it was barely warm earlier today, so it's probably a little chilly right now. It's not been blessed by anybody. There's nothing special about it. But in that water, as they walk into the water, they're standing in front of their family and their church family and their friends, and they're saying, listen to what I'm about to show you. I heard the voice of my shepherd, and I said yes to him. And I can trust him and I can follow him. I gave up everything that is of me so that I might trust him. Romans 6, chapter 4 says, we're buried, or Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says, we're buried with him, Jesus, in baptism. We die to ourselves and we're raised. When we raise up out of that water, it's a symbol, a telling us a story of that we are now walking in newness of life. Newness of life, life abundant that Jesus promised us. And we get to celebrate that this morning. We get to celebrate that this morning. That means y'all gotta make a little bit of noise this morning when we get excited. When people come up out of the water, we gotta make some noise because these people have heard the voice of their shepherd and they said yes to that and that is worth everything that we have to get excited about. And as the band comes up, we're going to sing one more song this morning, before baptism. And the song says this, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is freedom. And today, in this place, if you've said yes to Jesus, there's real, true, and honest freedom that can be found in him. There's real, true, and honest freedom that can be found in him. And so, Listen for his voice and trust him. Because when we hear from other people, it ties us up and messes us up. And the freedom that we have gets taken away from us. But Jesus says, I'm here for freedom for you. And maybe today you're in this place and you've never heard the voice of your shepherd. Listen close. And maybe today you're here and you're going, I, I think I'm hearing something, and I don't know what it is. I'm going to stand right here during this song. And if you, hear, if you feel like you're hearing the voice of your shepherd, come and talk to me, and we'll have a conversation about it. We'll get you plugged in with somebody who can walk with you, to, to, to walk with you, to let you know what that voice is or isn't. So let's stand together. I'm going to pray over us. And then let's worship together. And in full voices, sing, freedom reigns in this place because my Savior has spoken my name and I have new life. And I have it abundantly. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for who you are and for what you've done. We thank you for your love for us. That you demonstrated in your life, but then also on the cross. And then you overcame death and resurrected from the grave. 
And God, as we celebrate that through baptism later this morning, God, I pray that it might be a clear and amazing picture to how great and how awesome you are. And that we get to celebrate and get excited about it. But God, right now in this place, I want you to say some people's names. Say some names, God, of your sheep and call them unto yourself. Let them know that you will protect them, that you will guide them, that you will lead them because you want life for them and not death and destruction. So God, as we sing and we worship and we celebrate this morning, make yourself known to your flock. Draw us to you. Draw us to you this morning. And all God's people said, amen. Let's worship together.